0: So, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we ask that by your spirit that you would lead and guide us in your word. Lord, we're reading texts that are thousands of years old, and while the world and sometimes even ourselves might think, how could these ancient books ever teach us about what we need today? Lord, they speak a transcendent truth that is just as powerful as the days that you were giving these words to Moses and to the Israelites out in the wilderness. And so would you speak to us fresh this morning? Would I pray that you would take my mind and my heart and my lips and have me only to speak what you've ordained for this morning, that by your spirit we would hear the gospel and be drawn ever close to Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Exodus chapter 23 exodus 23 we've been following the trek of the israelites as god goes into uh, egypt and rescues them from slavery not to just bring them into a land of freedom where they can do everything that they want he was delivering the people to himself the whole goal was that he would be in a relationship with them and so as he brings them out uh we've been watching the powerful works of god and yet even in the midst of those powerful works the people oftentimes um they they still don't believe God they complain and and yet there's moments of real spiritual and religious um emotion where they 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 muster up a moment and they're like yeah we're revived almost like a revival you have those moments like yeah I've just heard something yeah I'm gonna go live for Jesus and yet what happens they just kind of fade away they fade away. And so we kind of see that happening with the Israelites. And, and the, the Lord has been bringing them together and giving them now what we call the law or the Torah. Last week, we looked at the Ten Commandments, which we found out not many of us actually know. Um, <laughs> we couldn't recite them all ten. It's much harder even just to keep them as well. But there was more than those ten. And the Lord was giving this law because he's setting up for them kind of the, the boundaries of their relationship. The word that's used for that is a covenant. A covenant the boundaries of a relationship so for instance when you in this congregation who have gotten married you actually made a covenant with your spouse right you made a relationship boundary situation where you said there's not going to be any other people in this marriage it's just you and i it's till death do we part it's in sickness and in health for richer and poor." you said these are the boundaries of our relationship this is our covenant together well god using these commandments and displaying that he's giving and making a covenant this is how the relationship between me and you the israelites is going to be and so he gives them these commandments and some of them were very religious in nature as far as um what we saw last week you shall have no other god before you but there was also other things that were even medical the way in which you would treat somebody with sores on their skin there was societal ways the ways in which you would treat your neighbor and even their ox and so he sets up all these rules and um, later on you know the story when they came to jesus and they said well which which are the greatest commandments Jesus said the first and greatest is the love of the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourselves, as And so these commandments really display that within this covenant relationship is it's all about God and it's loving people. And and this is the way this relationship is going to be. And so if you have your Bible, you could actually recognize that we we usually split it in two. We have the Old Testament, right? the Old Testament, and then we have the New Testament. Well, the Old Testament, what that means is the Old Covenant, the old relationship that God is setting up with the people of Israel. A lot of times it's referred to as the Mosaic Covenant because Moses is the one getting the words from God on Mount Sinai and then delivering it to the people. And so we kind of cover the questions this morning. Well, if there is an Old Covenant, why is there the need then for the New Covenant, the New Testament? And we're going to cover a little bit of that this morning. So in chapter 23, the first part of the chapter has been more of this law that's given. God is giving these this covenant law to them. And now he's going to transition into saying what it's going to be like when he brings them into the promised land. We're going to start in verse 20 and how he's going to do that. We're going to read through this, this uh, into this chapter real quick. It says, behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him. For he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do. But you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come. And I will make your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites and the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I'll drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the Euphrates. For I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. So as God is taking them out of slavery through the wilderness, making this covenant, he's bringing them to the promised land. He says, I'm sending an angel that's going to lead you there. I've given him the command. So you listen to his voice. You do what he tells you, and it's going to go well for you. As you get into that land, there's going to be people that already populate that land and I'm going to move them out. But I'm going to do it in stages because they're going to keep the land healthy until you get there so it doesn't all go to waste. So he's totally setting them up for success as they move their nation into this land that they're going to go conquer and take as the promised land. But he gives them these warnings. He says, as you get into that promised land and you're among the the Hittites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Perizzites and all the other rites that are in this land, when you go there, do not make a covenant with them. Now, we've already been talking about a covenant, which becomes a relationship, some type of form of saying this is how we're going to get along. And when he says there, he basically says, do not marry towards them. Do not so conform to what they're doing. And what was the purpose Because when you covenant with them, you will then take their gods and bring them in. And what was the first commandment? You shall have no other gods before you. He said he was a jealous God. I I am the one who's going to be your God. I will be the one who saves you. I will be the one who will bless you and multiply you and fulfill the promises. So don't wander away to other gods and to protect you. I don't want you to marry these other people with your country. Now, in some week to come. We will address the issue of interracial marriage. Now, just real quickly, the purpose of that in this uh, in these instances, and he'll talk about it later in the Old Testament law was not because they had an issue with races and color. That was not the reason it was for what was just said that when you go in and marry them, they'll take the daughters, but also you will take their gods. That is the problem. You do not want you to bow down to other gods. And so he's very concerned that when he goes and puts them into another place, that they'll fall fall in love with the gods of that place. Just the same way with you, that there is concern that as we hear about Jesus, but then go into a world, if we covenant and make a relationship with the world, whereby we are so close with them that we love what they love and we worship what they worship, that we will leave God and go worship them or maybe something just as disastrous. And that would be that we would try to love God and try to love the world at the same time. Didn't Jesus say no one can serve two masters? You cannot serve both God and money. You can substitute a word for anything in that money slot and you can't do it. There is only God and nothing else. So if you're with Jesus and he is delivering you to himself, you can't take anything with you. It's just him. He is so jealous. And he knows that if we try to bring anything else into that relationship, it'll squander the relationship and cause us not to have the greatest blessing of knowing all that he is and relying on everything that he's done. Just the same way that when you made a covenant with your wife, you know that it's good not to bring another woman into that relationship. Amen. In the same way, we do not bring any other God into the relationship. So he warns them: when you go up into this land, do not fall in love with him. In fact, I'm going to push them out and don't try to keep what they love. Don't try to make such a relationship with them that you begin to love their gods. Going into verse uh, chapter 24, we read on, it says, then he said to Moses. Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near. And the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord, all the rules and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars, according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So Moses takes the law. He reads it to the people and they're like, we'll do it. Everything that you've said, we'll do it. We will be obedient. And so they have a ceremony, much like we would have a wedding ceremony when there's a covenant being made. They begin to have a ceremony and there's sacrifices and it's bloody. There's an ox and the blood's coming out and Moses takes up much of it and throws it against the altar. And he he takes up some of it and reserves it aside in a basin. And he goes and he reads the book of the covenant. These are the boundaries of the relationship with God. And they cry, we will do it. And it says that he took that blood. And what did he do? He threw it. On the people. Pretty gross, huh? Pretty gross. You know, the Bible says as a result of our sin that all of us will die. The only thing that can spare us from that is for someone else to die in our place. That blood be shed because only through blood, the book of Hebrews says, is there forgiveness. So something must die in our place. There has to be something that would die for us in substitution. So here they take an ox. They slaughter the ox. The blood is thrown on the people and they're drenched in ox blood. And this was to ratify the covenant, the Mosaic covenant that they were making with God. Now, did you recognize what the people said after they read the terms of the agreement? You know, if you were making terms to an agreement, you go to sign off on a mortgage for your house, or maybe you're signing for insurance, or you make an agreement, you want to read through all that fine print, right? Well, they've just read the fine print and they said, we will do it. Well, guess what? None of them could do it. And the reality is, if we sat before God and had a list of rules and he says, "Okay, here's here's the covenant. You do your part and I will save you. You know, the only one who could fulfill that God, he would do the saving, but we would not be able to uphold our part. We cannot get it right. We're not good at following rules. We're not good at getting things right. Did you all put money in the offering plate this morning? Don't, you don't need to actually nod your head. I don't need to know who. But guess what? What what if like every week is like you better put money in that offering player. You're going straight to hell. We wouldn't get it right because some sometimes we would forget. Sometimes maybe we wouldn't put enough. We wouldn't fulfill it. Sometimes just by accident, we can't get it right. I mean, what if God said, I want you to sing hymns to me every week and I want all the tune to be absolutely perfect. You better get the words right. Well, guess what? Didn't we have a little mix up earlier? Amen. All of us going straight to hell. You see, we, even when we try, we can't get it right. The Bible says we can't get it right. That the striving after the rules, we will never be perfect. And even here is a rule book. There's this covenant and they say, we will do it. And the blood is spilt on them. That's thrown on them. And what do we find about Israel? They couldn't, they couldn't do it. They couldn't hold up to it. We know this to be true in our life. If you're a parent. You know that just giving your kids rules. Doesn't always work, does it? I see a lot of smiles on the kids faces right now. (laughs) But you know what one of my greatest joys of being a pastor at Unity has been? I've had parents come to me and say, I don't know how to deal with my child. Do I need more rules? Do I need harder whippings? Whatever you what do I need to do? You know, what has been really awesome to see. Is that the thing that the Lord needed to do in your child wasn't more rules and wasn't more discipline in that sense. It was that something has to change on the inside of a person before there can be true change on the outside of the person. What I've seen is there has been true change in many of your kids. And now they're beginning to display just amazing godly character, not because they're getting the rules right or getting more swats. It's because Jesus has changed their heart. The same way that he changed yours. It's totally awesome, kids. I'm so proud of many of you who have said, you know what? I'm giving my heart to the Lord because what that said was I can't do it. And you've changed and you're going to continue to grow in that. And there's going to be this temptation as you go to start buying into the rules. As if they're God's. But we've talked about that was the old covenant. That was the old way. And why would God even do that? We looked last week about God did that to show us that we couldn't follow the rules so that he could present the only true way that we could be saved. And, and read what happens next. They've they've said they'll do it. They've been splattered with blood. But then it says in verse nine, then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and 70 elders of Israel went up and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet As it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of uh, the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. So after they make the covenant, just like after many year weddings, they went and had a reception. They went up the hill, these elders of Israel. And while they're having this reception, it says that they could see God. Now, the placement is very interesting. They go up a little ways on the mountain. And as they're eating, it says, as they look up, they could see His feet. And under His feet, pavement, as it were, like sapphire underneath His feet. So I want you to pay attention to the placement of this. Were they with God? No. He was letting them close enough to see. But they weren't with Him. The reality is not being with Him really means you're far from him. Just this last week at uh, Barbie McClam's funeral, Randy Beasley gave this great illustration that I've kind of clung to. And he said, if, if we all got our swimsuits on and we went down to the beach and we were going to go get in the ocean and, and, and we knew we had to swim all the way to the other side of the ocean. The only way that we could be rescued was to make it to the other side. How many of us would make it? Not a one. Cannot do it. Same with trying to do rules. Same with trying to do the law. Same by trying to do it with our own efforts through offerings and hymns and going to church and just doing what our mom says and, and, and being a good, good person. That will not get us there. It, we may be close enough to see his feet, but we're not with him. There's still an enormous gap by which God says, because you're not with me, you will die. There is only wrath in store. So what hope do we have in this old covenant? none that's why it's the old covenant that was only put into effect through the blood of bulls and goats but had no effect for true salvation because we all know by trying the rules we can't do it we talk about the addicts you can't change an addict by just making rules and then the reality is we're all addicts to sin none of us have been able so how do you change that it has to come from inside what god is doing and to make a way we get to the new testament which is so great because here we have god not send down a whole flock of uh, flock flock of oxen or did they come in flocks (laughs) flying down from heaven i don't know what they do oxen lambs whatever whatever might be sacrificed that's not what god sent he sent jesus christ the lamb of god he sent want a human form. Why? Because human blood had to pay for human blood for your sin. We needed a human to die. So Jesus became a man and he died for us. And do you remember what he said with his disciples at the last supper at that communion meal? He had them eat the bread which represented his body. And then he passed the cup of uh, of wine and he said. This is the cup of the new covenant, a new covenant relationship something that couldn't be done with bulls and goats and it couldn't be done at the altar, at the tabernacle of the temple it had to be done by what god was doing in the heavenly by him going and presenting his own blood and saying i've paid on their behalf now in that old testament picture they were they were drenched and sprinkled with the blood of an ox But in the New Testament, we have something better that actually works. The scripture says that as Jesus has died for us, that he washes us clean. But I want to read again from Hebrews chapter 10, which was the passage that we had read at the beginning of our time together today. Now, this is a part that comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. It says this, let us draw near. With a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts, what sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water so a couple things happened in just this one verse that no jew and no human on earth by following the old testament could have ever achieved first it said this let us draw near to him do you know what a miracle it is for a human being to be in the presence of almighty god we were in sin but when he wipes us clean he allows it and makes it possible for us to stand in the presence of a holy god it is a miracle that he would say, let us draw near. And did you see how we could do it in full assurance with a true heart? With a heart's sprinkled clean. From an evil conscience. Have you ever noticed when you've done something naughty that you cannot not do enough good stuff to make that evil like that, that feeling go away? Nothing. What makes that go away? But remembering what Christ has done for you and that when God looks at you, he sees you as one of his saints, somebody who's forgiven. Because when he looks at you, you know what he sees? The sprinkled blood of Christ on you. That covenant was made not by ox blood. It was made by Jesus blood being seen on you. And so you stand clean. You stand near. You stand as a son and a daughter in the presence of God almighty. Now. I want to take you to a couple other pictures in the New Testament. Peter talks about sprinkled clean and the writer of Hebrews talks about sprinkled clean. Jesus talked about his blood giving this new covenant. What does that mean? What does that bring us to? Well, if you go to Revelation, it shows what this comes to. We're always looking for the hope of the future. What's going to happen with eternal life? And it says this, and I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 7, Verse 13. As John is being led around and being shown a vision of the future, it says this. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? Now, let me tell you who he's seeing. He's seeing around a throne, a multitude of people from every tribe, tongue and nation that are singing the praises of the one on the throne, saying salvation is his. And so the question is, who are these people? Who are these people? The elder asks him. And in verse 14, John says to him, sir, you know. And the elder said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in what? In the blood of the lamb. Now listen to the song they sing. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his what? Presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. When they said, we will follow the rules and the blood of an ox is put on them. And then they went up for the banquet of the old covenant. They sat there and from a distance. They saw underneath the throne and underneath his feet. And now because of the blood of Jesus, when we look forward to the future, it says you can draw near with assurance that God has sprinkled you with the blood of Jesus and now presents you not below him somewhere down below, but in his presence. It says that that multitude who is seeing he has brought us salvation. And now we have the blood of Jesus on us. It says that they are before the throne. They are before the throne. And I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. That I have not been cast away and sent into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, which Jesus said, I've been brought into his presence, and that is guaranteed for me by what he had done, not because of what I failed or even tried to do. And so we will be with Jesus. We will be in the presence of the king. And man, what a delight. They said, I'm not going to hunger anymore. There's not going to be thirst anymore. This is great. Because I'm with him. You know what? I think that's a pretty good deal. I am looking forward to that day. But you know what? There is somebody who's looking more forward to that day than you are. Because we get confused and we get running the rat race and we get, you know, we easily get distracted. There is somebody who's looking forward to that day even more than you are. You turn a few pages to Revelation chapter 21. It talks About the new Jerusalem coming down. Because everything else has passed away. He's making all things new. And so in 21 verse 2 it says. I saw the holy city New Jerusalem. Coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying. Behold. The dwelling place of God is what? With man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. You know who wants that moment more than us? God. God has been doing everything. He's put everything in play in history, including his own son, Jesus Christ, to make that future picture possible for you, that you would not be cast away from his presence because of what you failed to do, but brought into his presence by what he was able to do. And that is accomplished in you, not by following the Ten Commandments. You know how that's accomplished in you? By your heart being changed and forgiven. That's the only way that you can do anything. It's the only way in which you will stand one day in God's presence and he will wipe the tears from your eyes and he'll say there will be no more death, no more pain, no more suffering. That happens because of what Jesus does in your heart. sprinkled clean with full assurance. And so now. If you're in a struggle with sin. If you're in a struggle with despair. If you're in a struggle of Doubt. You will not be able to get over that by following some rules. You will not be able to get over that by trying to do something to make God love you more to put you in a better place in his presence. You do that by taking your heart and having him reassure you what he's done. And if you're not assured of what he's done in your heart. That's where we come and say things like just as I am. Because you can't clean up and come to church and say now God's ready to meet me. He was the one who went out to the prostitutes. He was the one who went to the tax collectors. He was the one who went to the sinners. And he was the one that came to you. Because you were just as filthy. And he comes to us and he says. You can't clean up your life by living your rules. Your life is cleaned up by the assurance of what I've done in your heart. And then the reality is once God has you. Your desires change. The same way that you parents have seen the desires in your kids change. And then you're parenting them towards Jesus. And God is parenting you towards himself. That one day you won't stand there and he'll say, well done because of all your effort and all the merit of everything that you've ever done. You will stand on that day and he'll say, welcome to my presence because all of my effort and everything that I've done for you. And we will all stand with that crowd and we'll say, amen. Amen. The salvation of Jesus has made it possible that we would be in his presence. You know who's under the in a different place of Jesus' presence? It says that his enemies will be his footstool. They will be the ones under his feet. But his people will be in his presence. Take that assurance today. We don't live by this old covenant, a list of rules. We live by a relationship, a covenant. Where we don't have to live being duty, 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 duty. We get to live by saying, I just I can't get enough of him. I'm drawn to him. You know what? God is also coming to us saying, I will dwell with them. I want to give you my presence. Today, as we close, we're going to pray and then we're going to sing. And if the Lord's. Maybe drawn you, maybe you need to put aside the ways in which you have covenanted with the world. Maybe you've said it's okay for me to dabble in these things. And the Lord needs you to give up that sin. Those habits, those ways in which you were trying to. Follow God and money or fill in that blank. And today you just need to lay that thing down. But in that laying down, it has to come from the inside where you're ready for God to give you it, that, that heart that's new. Because you can't come and you can't pray to him and say, Lord, just give me a list of rules. It doesn't work that way. It has to be in here. And so as we close today, maybe you need to bring those things and say, Lord, here's, my, here, here's what I've fallen in love with. It's not you. Give that to him and ask him to change your heart. It's got to be him who changed that. And then comes the fruit Then comes the good fruit. Let's close that way. And if if you would, just put your heart before the Lord. Father, we come to you and we ask today that you would do this work inside of us that we can't do for ourselves. Father, there's only one way to swim all the way across the great ocean. Of being separated from a holy God because of our sin. And that was by Jesus coming and rescuing us. Through the ark of his cross. And that we are in his presence and we will be delivered to that shore. Through your grace and your mercy, not because of our efforts or our following the rules. And so, Lord, we just thank you for that relief. Lord, that it takes all. The guilt. And it puts it on to Jesus. Which he took away by the cross. We pray then that we would live in freedom because of what you're doing in our hearts to change us. We pray that we would so long after you and long for your ways that, Lord, this wouldn't be something that we do out of duty. But, Lord, something that we do out of love for you in this covenant relationship. So we ask that you would continue to do a work in us. We pray this in Christ's name.